Guys, Tyson Popplestone here with the Relaxed Running Podcast, brought to you by RelaxedRunning.com. Welcome back to another week of the show. Before we get started, if you haven't become a member of the Relaxed Running membership just yet, you should jump on board. It's uh, We're starting to develop an awesome community over there, which is great, who are they're accessing a, a whole lot more content. So if you're a fan of the podcast, we've got two to three bonus podcast episodes going up a month um, already in there. We've got Marathon star Jess Trengove and Australian 1500 meter record holder Ryan Gregson, 351 miler from the States, Craig Engels, 330, 1500 meter runner, 331, 1500 meter runner, I think, Andrew Wheating, also bonus stuff with Liam Adams, Brett Robinson, a whole heap more. Uh, it's uh, We've got some really good chats with a lot of insight into their training, diet, race preparation, just stuff that uh, is, is really beneficial to, to all of our performances when it comes to racing. Also building up a video library, trying to add a, a, a lot of videos from professionals from different industries, physios, podiatrists. Um, we're, we're looking to get some yoga videos on there, some videos from nutritionists and, and a, a whole heap of exercise physiologists who can help with our progress. Obviously, it can get expensive if we're constantly going out and seeing a, you know a heap of different specialists for all their different issues. But if we can get one big place with one big library with all these professionals uh, giving some advice. Obviously, it makes your life a lot easier and uh, your performance, hopefully, all going well, a lot better. That's the goal. So jump on over to relaxrunning.com slash join if you'd like to become a member over there. Heaps of people have already jumped on board, so it'd be great to great to have you there too. My guest on the show today is Dion Finocchiaro. I hope I'm saying that right. I've been practicing for the last 10 minutes Finocchiaro, he's got a ridiculous last name like me, Popplestone, if you didn't know that. Uh, he is an ultra-marathon runner, and uh, man, he he's one of those blokes that if you've listened to the Liam Adams podcast and enjoy it, you're going to love this. I, I met him for the first time back in 2012, and he was just getting involved in running, and he had something about him that just said, mate, I can push my body to levels that you wouldn't believe, and uh, that little, what do you call it, guess, prediction, um, assumption about him turned out to be true some of the some of the runs that he's done some of the uh, times that he's run but just the distances and the work ethic that he has is a it's a really motivational thing to listen to so originally I was going to record this and just post it to the membership but as we spoke I thought man there's so many people out there who would who would really love this stuff that uh that I really wanted to get his message out there because I just I found him super inspirational he's a he's a really great guy very easy guy to talk to and I, I really enjoyed this conversation so um, a couple of times I point out that if you want to get some more inspiration, he's probably the best bloke to follow on Strava. He's, uh, he's, he's pretty inspirational. Some of the numbers that he puts up are disgusting. So uh, check him out there. Also on social media, if you've got any questions for him, yell out. But guys, that's about it. As I said, uh, relaxrunning.com slash join to get access to the ever-growing amount of content that we're putting up on the website there and to connect with runners from all around the world on our community forum. Alrighty, guys, that's enough from me. Let me get out of the way and introduce to you ultramarathon runner Dion Fino Chiaro. Man, I reckon the last time I saw you was up at Fernie Creek about two months ago. You were 27Ks into a 
50k run and i had a couple of people reach out to me over the last few weeks from the um the membership where this is going and say oh can i get some advice on some uh like ultra marathon training and i thought oh you know what i reckon i'm stepping into the wrong territory if i start giving advice so you popped into my mind in that run and i thought what better bloke to contact to uh <laughs> to, to pick his brain about some ultra marathon running how's the how's the training going man it's been going all right um definitely um you know it's tough at tough at times like i'm because of the um um because i'm working pretty much every day at the moment so i just sort of run just whenever i can um still running every day but yeah obviously just um you know nothing epic going on at the moment and like the sessions are just not structured and stuff like that just go on running to feel and yeah everything's going all right just um you know letting the body let me um i guess to let the body say what i can do on any given day yeah no that makes it this is what i love about you though man because i reckon um i remember uh, most people talk about yeah i've been doing a little bit of work and a little bit of training but when i first met you i think you were working as a chef and you just got obsessed with running this is like back in 2012 and you're working like 12 or 13 hour days as a chef. And then in your one hour lunch break, you go out for like a, a 60, <laughs> a 60 minute run. Is it, have I made that up in my head or is that? No. Pretty yeah, much I used the to do that. Um, and, oh, and there was this one job um, where I would get like a two hour break and it was not never like a set time. So I could have just like, you know, eaten something and then like, Oh, you've got a two hour break now. And I would like literally go out for two hours and just like wash myself in the sink <laughs> when I got back. <laughs> Um, but, um, yeah. And so like I did that for a, a few years and, um, you know, I would do like a split shift Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, and then race on a Sunday and then go to work. And, um, you know, it was just, it was just crazy fitting everything in the way, the way it happened. And definitely, um, things are a lot more measured at the moment, even though at the moment, like I'm doing some kitchen work again with this whole covid thing I, I wasn't massaging for a while but um yeah so i'm still i've recently gone back into the kitchen game a few days a week and so now i'm doing my sunday runs and going straight to work um so yeah not much has changed i guess <laughs> bloody hell man it's so good because i did an interview with liam adams on here a couple of oh sorry i was gonna say a couple of weeks ago it was like two months ago now yeah and the feedback i got about his training was uh was pretty crazy because I don't know if you heard it, but he's he's running like two hundred k's a week. He's working a full time job, and everyone was single runs too. Yeah, bro. Everyone was contacting me, going, "Dude, who is this guy?" And and you kept popping into my head because I was like, "All right, if there's one bloke that I reckon might give him a run for his money, it's uh, it's Dion." But I'm gonna pick you. I'll pick your brains about that in a minute. But did you you got started? It was like I'm trying to pick my brain, man, because we've obviously got quite a few mutual friends. And back when I was training pretty seriously towards the end of my running career, I reckon, is when you just got started in about 2012. And then uh, you're, you're sort of like your progression just sort of shot through the roof a little bit. The first I saw you were down at the 10, running a couple of laps, and the next thing you'd run like a two-hour 54 marathon. What did, the, uh, what did the beginning of your journey in the distance running sport look like? It was literally, yeah, just going for runs on my break. Um, and, you know, I would eventually, you know, 
I got into the stage where I was a bit higher up at work. So I would say, okay, guys, I'm taking two hours today and manage the staff accordingly and just go for runs. And then I would run on my day off and I would run, you know, I never had a program and I never um, had any running friends. So I just literally ran, like, I guess it's hard every day and I didn't know anything. I just sort of ran and, you know, I didn't even have a watch. I just had like a pedometer. So I knew that I'd taken X amount of steps and, <laughs> um, you know, I had assumed that every step was a meter. And so I was like, okay, I did, you know, 10 or 15,000 steps. That's 10 or 15 K, you know, now that's probably like 15,000 steps for me is at least 20 K. So like, you know, I just assumed that I was doing 10 or 15 K and, you know, that was, sort of how I ran and and then I did all the fun runs and that was like my only speed work like um, <laughs> and I just ran hard as as best I could and and I guess like the more fun runs I did like it sort of you know started adding fuel to the fire I guess and and then I would just do the next fun run I, I, I would do would be a little bit longer and I started to notice that my I guess my results or my placing would get higher and you know each time, you know, it started like with a 6.7K fun run and then an 8K fun run and 10 and 14 at like run for the kids. And and then, yeah, each time I did those distances, like that was my new longest ever run. <laughs> and, yeah, my results were still getting better. I, I was, I think, you know, my pace was obviously slowing. Um, but, you know, I my overall result was higher. So I just kept on going for the longer and longer and, you know, eventually worked my way and did a, a marathon uh, with no no pacing, no fuel, no no proper fueling and longest run being like 30K, which I walked in and, um, you know, I did the marathon wanting to run three hours and I remember the night before I like had so much food at work and like, <laughs> it's probably not good. I was quite heavy and yeah, like I finished that marathon. I ran three seventeen, but my last 10 K took me at least an hour and I was pretty smashed. And I remember just going, like I went to work after that and I just remember saying I would never do that again. And I don't know, it was like a week or so later, I'd just gone and entered an ultra marathon and, and then eventually worked my way up to 100K. And, um, you know, it's sort of funny how it all goes along over the years. And now I've sort of found my way coming back down, trying to get fast, but then still keeping, you know, my, towing the water, doing the long stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I have a favourite, I guess, distance, maybe the marathon because it's a bit of both. But, yeah. You're a man of many talents, I reckon. We'll get into the ultra stuff soon. But did you just say you went to work after the Melbourne Marathon? Yeah, my first marathon, yeah. Um, <laughs> that is so crazy. Got smashed in the kitchen and, um, yeah, that was just, you know, and I did that for years, like every single race. Like I would do Thursday, day, night, Friday, Saturday, day, night, and then like go to a race and then go straight back to work. And, you know, that was the only way I was going to be able to do it. Um, so, yeah, for the first few years it was just like it was just a bit of a grind but like I loved it um you know the feeling of working hard and I guess just self-exploring what I could what I could do and I think that's how I've got a I guess a good you know ultra mentality is just like I'll just get it done 
um, you know, some sometimes your greatest asset is your greatest, you know, hindrance. But yeah, for me, like I've been lucky that I've been able to just do a bit of everything, and I really enjoy all the different types of hurt that you get from running. You know, the, the short stuff that doesn't last for long, and you can do more regularly, and then the the longer stuff, which you obviously have to train a bit differently for, and um, you can't sort of dip into that as often. But um, yeah. All of those sort of distances really just, they're all exciting and they're part of the thrill. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 sort of, you, you paint the picture of a bloke who really enjoys that, that long grind, like the, the, the fact that you just spoke about the, the different forms of pain that comes with running is something you enjoy, doesn't surprise me. Like is, is that something that you've sort of had for your whole running career or is that, is that pretty natural to you? Have you just developed that more and more as you as you've got into your running? Because I've met a few chefs in my life and I feel like all of you guys share that trait of just being being hustlers in the best sense of the word, that you can just get stuff done, don't pay too much attention to how you're feeling, you can just push through it and, and, and battle on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that's definitely a, like something that a lot of chefs will have is, I guess, you know, firstly is like addictive personalities um, and, you know, being used to long hours or, you know, you're in a in a rush for something and you you know I think having urgency as well is is a big thing and you know you just even like you know get a burn on your arm or a cut or you know and then you have to keep doing something that makes it sore but like if you don't do it you're going to fall behind so there's a lot of just like you know mental toughness and you know you could be like really tired from get, getting home at 11 p.m. and you know you've got to get up at you know 5 or 6 to get back to work and, you know, so there's a lot of like, oh, you know, that grinding mentality. So, yeah, I think that's helped me, I'll serve me well mentally in terms of being able to adapt and, and, and I guess persevere through tough times and, and seeing like the greater picture. Mm. So going back to when you first got started, when you were trying to manage your running with your, with your chef work like what did your days look like how were you so i know you said you were you were getting out for your runs at, at your lunch break but was it was it sort of like a like a nine to five kind of a chef job like I, I, I that's a silly question i'm guessing based on the fact that i've never met a chef who works nine to five but give us a, a a run through of of what your morning or what your day looked like from morning till the time you knocked off work um yeah well like i would generally work five days sometimes six depending on if someone sick or on holidays or things like that but generally it would be um i would do over say five days i would do two single shifts which is just you know say three till 10 or 11 and and that's just like straight through you just work all the way through and the other three days would be seven or seven thirty until close which could be 10 11 depending how busy it is and those days you'd you know on a on a good day you'd get your two hour break and sometimes a bit less um could be an hour um and yeah so that was my week and then on the days off i'd obviously just got to a routine where i had all my housework lined up and just you know bang it all out do all my my washing for the week get my uniforms ready for the next week and um you know go do shopping and all that sort of stuff. And so it was sort of like a, a routine where every week, every day was a month, like similar 
to the week before, and it was just, um, yeah, it was it was it was good in that way. That, but um, I guess like I never knew for certain like my roster until the Sunday afternoon for the next week. So mm-hmm. there was there was a lot of just like okay, we've well, just got to adapt, and um, you know, I might have to be working on a Monday when normally I don't, or stuff like that. Yeah, it's probably one of the harder things about hospitality is not knowing your shifts till like the day before the new week. <laughs> did you uh like did you start to develop any kind of formality with the training or any kind of real structure? Like you knew that on a Tuesday it was going to be a sixty minute run, and on a Monday it was going to be a no, eight, or you no. literally just made it up as you as you went along. Literally just opportunistic training, just. Um, t- yesterday I ran a bit harder. Today I'll run a little bit less hard. Or yesterday I turned left at the beach, and today I'll turn right when I get there. It was just all whatever I had time for on the day and, and how I felt. I just if I was a bit sore, then I would do a little bit less. Or if I'd just eaten lunch and now it was my lunch break, I'd probably have an upset stomach, so I, I might not feel like I can run for an hour. I might run forty minutes. Um, yeah, it was all just in the moment sort of training. There was never any like, and like one day I could run, or one week I could run five or six times and the other week I could run twice. It was just, yeah, all just happened so sporadically. Man, that's so funny. I know so many distance runners and how much they would hate that structure because so many of us are just completely OCD when it comes to making sure we tick every box when it uh, comes to our training sessions and if there's one thing that I reckon we could probably learn from what you've just explained is there's there's so much benefit in just being able to roll with the punches like that is that something that you you still do have you got a little bit more structure to your training now I definitely have a lot more structure but yeah um and especially now like with the, the corona everything like now I'm just you know this morning I was thinking I might run for an hour and then I ran eight in the end like you know just a bit further and it's like just following following my legs but um yeah generally i have have structure um when events are going on and all that sort of stuff but yeah from time to time i'll just sort of run to feel and give myself a little bit of a a mental break even though i run all year round like when i don't have structure i do feel like it's you know it's downtime for me Mm. I've been, you're definitely my favourite person to follow on Strava. There's no doubt about that because like every single run that you post, almost every single run is at some ridiculous pace. Like when I was training for my marathon, I'd get home and be like, oh, that was a great run. And I might have averaged like four minutes, 25 for like 25K. And I'd come home, upload that like I'm the king. And then I'd see that you had ran 38Ks in 340s <laughs> that, that morning. Like, is it pretty common for you just to get on a roll and um, and, and just start running to pace? Because I, I don't see many of your runs that are run at like a – I don't think I've ever seen you upload a run where you've gone for 10Ks at five-minute pace. Like, is it is it most of your work done at a pretty solid click? Yeah, I, I actually just find that running five-minute Ks is actually really hard. Um it it actually feels like it takes more effort to run, you know, five five ten than it does to run four thirties. So for me, an easy run would be you know anywhere around four thirties generally. But sometimes it can be 
you know, down to four, four, four minute Ks or, um, you know, maybe four fifties on a, you know, a, a day after a marathon, say I'll run for half an hour and four fifties is pretty, pretty standard. Yeah, because last time when I saw you up at Fernie Creek a little while ago, I know obviously you're not going to be cracking along at that pace up around the mountains and stuff. Mind you, it wouldn't surprise me if bloody uh, if one person broke that rule and was averaging 350s at Fernie Creek. But I remember the reason you were running up there and running for such a long way was you were training for Comrades. Is that still going ahead this year? No, it was actually supposed to be on June 14, so just, just ah. over a week ago. Um, and they had postponed it originally to an, you know, a date not yet confirmed, but yeah, they just cancelled the whole thing. And, um, yeah, so no, no events in the foreseeable future. And I was also, um, going to do the hundred K world championships in the Netherlands, which is September, but that's also been cancelled. So, um, yeah, this year was going to be a year of doing plenty of ultras and, um, I wanted to do a 24-hour track race as well, and um, <laughs> like, yeah, it, it, it's all cancelled. So, yeah, okay. Um, Are you still training pretty solidly? Like, obviously, you went for 18k this morning. Are you? Did you take any time off, or is it still just a, a chance for you to get out and run around and just be able to enjoy the fact that there's nothing really to um, have to tone up 100% for? You can just enjoy the the process of training. No, I'm still training every day. Um, I, I've had a few days where I was like, couldn't really be bothered, but, um, you know, still, still going out. And there was particularly those first few weeks, maybe six weeks or so, like I was doing some big Ks, you know, getting over 200 Ks a week and doing plenty of hills and sessions. And, um, but yeah, then like, obviously now I'm like, I'm working every day at the moment and I can't fit it in. Like, you know, just Tuesdays for me, like, I'll go to the kitchen in the morning and then my lunch break is driving to work, to work at the clinic till last week was like 10.30. So um, some days I can only get one run in and and it sort of, you know, ultimately draws waste from some of the Ks and, and it probably is even worth extra training anyway. So I don't know. I think last week I did about 170 Ks. Jeez. And, um. And that's just, you know, I'll do doubles when I can and because I like doing doubles. I, I think it gives me a lot of just structure, um, you know, get me out of the house in the morning because I know that I've got a run in the afternoon, whereas if I've only got one run, I might just wait until a bit later in the day and it might not be as good quality. Mm. So knowing that I've got that second run means that I get out in the morning for my proper run and, you know, and for me, like having that routine and, and structure, like I get a lot more stuff done. Even if I was to stay home and spend the time on doing stuff, I would do it a lot slower than if I'd, you know, just got my head cleared from my run in the morning. Yeah. It's funny. I'm the same, man. It's funny how that happens just with whether it's training or just things in general. If I wake up in the morning and have, 25 things on my list and no idea when I'm going to fit them in or, or how I'm going to structure it. I just feel like I get nothing done during those days. I find the same, like it's uh what day is it today? It's Monday today. I got up this morning, went to the gym, I'll go for a walk or a run this afternoon. And I just feel like it, it sort of forces you to get what you need to get done in between or before that, doesn't it? It's a, it's a nice little bit of formality for the day. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and like you said, like, you know, for a walk, like you could even just be walking your dog. 
you know, we don't have a dog here. We've got an apartment. But, you know, for me, that's that's what I do. Like, you know, either you go for your walk or your other gym training or something. And for me, like, clearing my head is going for a run. And, you know, for me, having a good think is going for a run or mm. having a good time is going for So a lot of things that fall, I fall back to for for my life is is running and you know that that's like my main outlet and and so yeah just doing those in the morning is um or and in the afternoon but it just really gives me some clarity yeah and perspective no, it's so true it's so, it's amazing how much a, of a problem you can have in your head uh, that an hour run can just clear up whenever i'm stressed or feel a little overwhelmed about any situation i, I don't get too caught up on it till i've gone for like a a 40 or 60 minute run then i come home and i go oh my gosh like i can't believe i was getting so uptight about it a lot of the time do you know what i mean or if yeah. ever i get if ever i get jumpy i know uh, uh grumpy <laughs> i know you know jesse jesse will say to me she's like mate have you gone for a run today because you're doing my head in and i go i'm sorry yeah. you're right <laughs> so, yeah, I, I know jess and 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 i've i get that all the time i like it's either you're hungry or you need to go for a run <laughs> it's so true it's amazing how much those two things can fix the situation that you're in hey um man i want to pick your brain about what training you were doing like when you thought you were doing comrades and i keep going back to this fernie creek run because i uh I, I was so impressed by the fact you were doing it i was up there with a mutual friend of ours andy mark bomanis we were about to go for like a i think it was a 60 or 70 minute run and uh I saw you and big pete up there cutting some laps and uh, we were just laughing as we went off because we we're like mate Dion hasn't changed a bit. Like he's still just absolute animal when it comes to getting K's done. So that was a Sunday run. Give us a give us a run through of what your week looked like at at sort of max volume when you were when you were really going for it. Yeah, I was going to Fernie with a mate um, every every Sunday, and then and then every Wednesday we'd go to either Listerfield or Fernie. So we'd do two hill hill runs a week, and then I would do, um, and that would be like twenty to thirty k on the Wednesday morning run, and then on the Sunday at Fernie, like that one that I saw you at, I did fifty one k at like four thirties. At four um, thirties. Yeah. Up at Fernie. Yeah, we and we just. Oh. I've got like, to clarify here because we've got some people who aren't from Melbourne. We've got people in Germany and in the US. So Fernie Creek, I, I don't know what kind of elevation we're talking there, but thats I don't think I've ever done it. The longest I've run at Fernie is maybe 25K, and I don't think I've ever averaged under five minutes up there because the hills are disgusting. <laughs> yeah, you definitely get made into a good hill runner if you go there. And um, like for me, you know, the first – 20 odd k was like 440s um with a, a few other lads and then just got rolling in the last part by myself um but yeah like fernie's fernie's great and i think with like all the technical like climbs and descents and and then just the single trail and like it being slippery it was really misty that day so there was a lot of bogged down dirt and stuff yeah, that's ridiculous kind of pace. So that was Sunday and Wednesday. What are you doing on the other days? Tuesday, Thursdays are sessions. So um, oh, what was I doing? I'd you know do something on the Tuesdays, which is a bit more 
track specific. So I'd go to the track and do stuff like, um, you know, 1K efforts or 400s or doing like a descending like distance but increasing speed session where it's 1,600, 800, 400s and then just get faster as you get shorter and then do just repeat that process a few times and then the Thursdays would be like longer intervals so it might be like a 40-minute threshold at marathon pace or could be um, another session that I like doing is the hour of power and that's just um, 15 minutes of effort but each five minutes gets faster so you sort of like a bit slower than marathon pace then marathon pace for five minutes and then the last five minutes at about 10k pace and then mm-hmm. do that four times in a row um, so that was, that's the session I like I like doing when I'm in the in the swing of things or um, could be something where just like eight minute reps for the two minute break so something like you know like a 25k session um, maybe 20k on the Tuesday and then the double in the afternoon yeah. half an hour and then Monday and Wednesday uh, Monday and Friday would just be like a easy sort of like 60 30 double. Yeah, nice. That hour of power session, I like the sound of that. So it was a first five minutes marathon pace, second five minutes 10K pace. Uh, sorry, no, no. Is that right? Second, No, slightly slower than marathon pace. Ah, uh, yes. Marathon pace, then, you know, half marathon pace, 10K pace. You know, you can play with you can play with the paces for those five-minute intervals. You know, you can do easy jog five minutes, then marathon pace, then half marathon pace. And then that way it's not so much of a intense session but yeah you can definitely do you know you can do half an hour of power and you do five minutes marathon pace five at half five at ten and then do that for half an hour so you can really play around with it based at where you're at with your training yeah okay man i'm i'm quite confident i'm quite familiar with the marathon training i would say up like for any distance up until the marathon uh if people came to me and asked for guidance with training i would i would happily help them out but when it comes to ultra marathon, anything above the marathon, I, I start to ask a few more questions, which is is part of the reason I wanted to reach out to you. So um, obviously, having done quite a few marathons yourself and done plenty well and truly above the marathon, for you, what are the main differences or what are the key features for someone who's looking at going from, say, a half marathon background or marathon background and looking at running the ultra stuff? What are the main areas from your experience that they need to focus on? Um, really, it would be uh, more is not always more. More is not always better. So you might want to, you know, do something where you, uh, you know, you're really trying to work on that on the long run. And then so you can, you don't want to do like half of your mileage or, you know, more than half your mileage in like the one particular run. But it's more common that it happens in ultras because if you're training for a 100k and you're going to do 60k's in a week not everyone's doing over 100k's a week so you know you're likely going to get over 50 percent in the one run but i think a lot of it is just you get to the stage where you'd want to be able to almost do a marathon comfortably or have the idea in your head of running a marathon and be like okay no worries i'm training for something longer like you want to be comfortable 
with the marathon first. Yeah. Um, and then also just it's fueling. Fueling is huge. You know, if you don't fuel well enough, then you're just going to end up crashing in terms of lacking energy or, you know, having bad GI stuff where you just you can't can't stop but go to the toilet or um, or if you don't fuel often enough, then you can hit, hit that wall. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it really is a very individual thing where people can really struggle. Say you get past 50K, that can be a real difficult place. That is where it doesn't even become physical anymore. It's just in your head. It's mm. once you – and uh, for me, that's where I would really – find it the most difficult is from 55 to 60k is where the mental games really start that's where you know there's about roughly a marathon left to go and then you think to yourself bloody hell i've just done all this effort and i still have to run another marathon and that can be really tough so i think having a good headspace and and a lot of positivity as well. You know, that you're definitely going to have times where it's difficult and you think you're not going to be able to keep going. But I think once you've broken past that you know that you're going to get it done or that you know that you've done the work, that you have given it your best chance to get it done, then you can't really do much more um, than that. Yeah, that's a good point. I reckon um, the, the, the fueling's a huge part of it, and I learned that the hard way about, I think it was 2013, I'd finished running competitively. I was training for footy or something at the time. Like, I was relatively fit. If you asked me to go out and run 10K or 20K, I, I would have been fine. But I remember yeah. I, had on my, I had on my bucket list for years just to go out and t- try and cover 100Ks worth of distance in one in one hit. And uh, I remember yeah. it was my wife went away for the weekend and I, wrote, I woke up one Saturday morning and I thought, all right, today's the day. And we were living out in, out in Ringwood at the time. And I, I put together like a couple of snacks in my bag. I was like, all right, I'm going to run 100K. So the goal was to run down towards St Kilda, up along the boulevard and stuff there. And I got to, dude, I got to 35Ks in and totally relate to what you were explaining there. I, so I ran the first 35K, like jogged probably five five-minute pace. And I got to about 35k, and I thought, I'm I am rooted. Like there is there is no energy left in my body. And I um like I stopped for a I I, I went past like Market Lane Coffee, picked up a coffee, got some boost juice. But I okay, first of all, I knew that my training just it was not specific to what I was trying to do. The long story short was I got to 50k's in about six hours, which was fine. And I completed the run in about 16 hours, 52. And the last 1K of that run, I thought I was going to die. Um, <laughs> so I have no idea why people are interested in running such ridiculous events. That's why I wanted to get you on here to actually give people some positive views on the uh, on the distance because I've got nothing but nasty things to say about it after that experience. But when it comes to fueling, what I did badly was I obviously I hadn't thought about it till that Saturday morning. There was nothing in my mind about, okay, what should I be eating leading up to this? How should I be drinking leading up to this? What should I take with me when I get out? Um, how like when it comes to meal, when it comes to fueling hydration, how are you preparing for use comrades as an example? If you were leading into that, if that was still going to go ahead last week, what would your few days leading up to that race have looked like? Also, as in like in the taper and the fueling. Yeah, as in the t- yeah, t- probably yep. tapers an important part of it as well. Yeah, 
I would definitely be so throughout the week I would I would be just having a normal normal diet, you know, obviously trying to err on the side of healthier options and not snacking too badly on stuff up until about Thursday. And this is say the race is on a Sunday. So by Thursday afternoon I would start to really introduce more carb options. You know, that could be things having pasta or rice or potatoes, extra options in your meal. So instead of having, you know, a protein and vegetable sort of thing, you could have supplement some of the protein for the carbs and things like that. Um, For me, I've really turned to rice recently and I love eating pasta. Like that's one of my favourites to eat. But uh, um, speaking with a like a sports dietitian, and he he'd really given me some really helpful insights. And you know, I think everyone doing an ultra could actually benefit from seeing a a proper dietitian. But uh, for me, it was he said that the gluten so from flour, um, your body has to work extra hard hard to absorb it and break it down whereas rice it's obviously no no wheat in there so your body can access the fuel a lot easier is this is it white rice or brown rice uh white rice yeah yeah and so i I would be having rice with with my dinner with my dinner choices maybe throughout the day i'll snack on like a little cup of rice with like a can of tuna sort of thing or um and starting to steer away from fruit, you know, things like bananas are okay and things like high fibrous, like um, dried fruits and apples and that sort of stuff, high fructose things I would steer away of just so that you, your gut can have a real chance to uh, de-cleanse and, and just to really um, calm down a lot more. And so then, yeah, from Friday, it's game on and just having I'd be having um, lots of lollies as well so lollies for me are a this is probably you know with the carb loading it doesn't have to be the same as doing like a marathon because um, 100k you're running obviously let's say even 50k or 100 but I'll just say 100 which is similar to comrades um at that sort of length of time and distance, your pace is not going to be as intense during a marathon. So for me, you know, you can probably have a bit more fattier foods and things like that. But, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I would still be having lollies, which are high amount of carbohydrates per actual weight. Um, and another good example is even having something like rice crackers, the dried ones, Mm -hmm. uh, for a hundred grams, you'd be getting uh, 80, 85% of actual carbohydrate per hundred grams. So it's very high, high volume of carbohydrates as opposed to having one cooked cup of rice, which is about 200 grams. I think you get 45 or 50 grams of carbohydrate. Mm-hmm. of storage so having options like lollies which are about 90 grams per 100 grams of carbohydrate so i'd be having snacking on that stuff all day i think in my last few races i would have 
500 grams of volleys a day. And that's Jeez, been, me- that's pretty, that's been wow. measured measured to my body weight as well. So for someone that weighs less than 76 kilos, you would have less. Or someone that weighs more, you could probably have more. But, um, yeah, or another thing that was recommended to me, which I don't, I don't really like sugary drinks and stuff, but, yeah, having, like, soft drinks or cordial and stuff because it's a high amount of carbohydrates without actually consuming a lot of food to weigh you down. Yeah, man, that's, I'm just thinking 500 grams, that's a solid amount of lollies, isn't it? I, I want to start taking up ultramarathon runners just so I can get on this diet, but is it, is it, are you talking jelly beans or what do you, what do you go to? Have you got a preference? Snakes, yeah. Yeah, good. And, I mean, you don't always feel great when you're doing it. It's not something that you do and you think, oh, I'm going to feel great. You know, even the day before the race, you might feel a little bit heavy because it obviously is a lot to consume, but because you can't always consume during an event, you've, your muscles soak it all up like a sponge and then you've just got all this access to all this glycogen and then throughout the race, you're just topping up. You're not actually fueling for, you know, the whole race. You're just topping up little bits of levels here and there and, you know, on the, on the morning before the, before the race, you know, it just helps with your liver and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, awesome. And are you carrying some gels? I remember when I was running, everyone was about Endura gels and stuff, but I think the conversations turned to Morton's the last couple of years. Everyone seems to be on that. Are you? Have you got a couple of Morton's or a couple of gels tucked into your pocket as you're running along? Yeah, well, during the race, I, you know, I'll obviously have gels, and I'm with Hammond Nutrition, so I use all their gels, and they're, like, catered for um, endurance sports. So, you know, anything really over three hours, and they've got some, like, high performance stuff for shorter events as well. But I would take um, gels with me in my pocket and, you know, I might have one. I think when I – the last 100K I ran in October, I had one gel. Um, But the main fuel that I have for those kind of races, it's uh, a powder and it's called Perpetuum. And that's just like a – it's actually a perfect mix for endurance because it's got carbohydrates fats and proteins so that because obviously running 100k it's a little bit slower you your body can access different energy systems so you can access fats for slow burning fuel and then the proteins which obviously help recover your muscles while you're going so that you hopefully don't just deteriorate too much during the run and for me i would have that powder all mixed up with water and that would be my fuel for the entire race. I wouldn't need to have much water. Uh, I would not get hungry having it and I would have a gel in my pocket as an emergency. Yeah. And did you say you had that spaced out at certain stations along the run? Yeah, every 5K or, you know, depending on how hot it is will depend on how much that you want to actually drink. And for me like a 250ml bottle every 5K would be plenty. And then I would just top up with extra water or maybe even some Coke throughout the run towards the end if I needed it. Um, and then even just pouring some water over my head just to keep my body temperature down so that I don't need to drink as much. 
Yeah, that makes sense. So what have you got? So, yeah, when you're stepping on the start line, you've obviously you looked after nutrition. You've spoken about training. What about gear and stuff like that? I know um, Hoka are looking after you, aren't they, with, with shoes and gear and stuff like that. Is there any other stuff like when it comes to hats, when it comes to singlets, that you just swear by that uh, people who haven't run an ultra might not know are a good thing to take along with you? Oh, uh, anyone doing an ultra, you're going to know that you're going to need like anti-chafe stuff, whether it's Vaseline or the body glide or whatever you do, you're taping or whatever. If you have had a bad chafe in an ultra, you'll never fail in that again. You will always. Um, so that's one thing that you really want to do. Um, and sunscreen, because obviously you're out there for such a long time. You'd want to make sure that you're not getting sunburned because once you get like sunburned, your body temperature just stays high and you can't get it down. So, yeah, looking after your body because obviously you're out there for so long. Um, Lighter-coloured clothes, ultra-marathoning is generally a, a summer sport, so you'd probably wear some lighter clothes so that you don't absorb the heat. Um, and then just, yeah, having stuff that you can, you know, carry some, you know, a buff or something with you or a hat and then you can just sort of, throw it away at an aid station and pick it up later or um, if it's hot and you've got access to like cold equipment where you can have your hat thrown in in an ice bucket and then you can put it back on that sort of stuff in a race is absolutely amazing and there's also another tip that i've i I actually haven't used this but everyone swears by it say if you're doing like a a race that goes for like a day or something or 12 hours something to like you're feeling like pretty crappy throughout the night and you know you're feeling a little bit tired and you just want to feel a bit fresher something that a lot of people swear by is just like brush your teeth you you know you've consumed so much sugar and salt and you know caffeine and you know you haven't showered in a day you know brush your teeth and you feel like a new human. It's an amazing, the amount of times that people have sworn by it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? What, just a little freshen up, little hey, little pick you up so you make you feel like less of a feral. Yeah, and it doesn't <laughs> even need to be like the most thorough job that you've ever done. It can just literally just like a new stimulus in the mouth and, and then, you know, you probably want to eat something just before so that you don't have to then eat after it. But, um, yeah, it just, like, gives you a bit of life. Yeah, that's great. That's great advice. How many ultras are you structuring into your year? Like, if all things are going well, let's call an ultra, say, in your case, maybe, like, 80Ks, have you got a limit on how many you allow yourself in a 12-month period? As long as my body's going okay. Like, I, I, had, I had thought to do six this year. Um, I had comrades. I had a... I was going to go for a 24-hour run. I was going to do um, the 100K. Uh, I was going to do – there's one a very long run in August, which is still going ahead at this stage. So I've, I've entered the 70K there. Um, and there was a couple others. But, yeah, and, and plus I was doing about another eight or, eight or so marathons as well. So I'm sort of – dabbling in a bit of both at the moment but yeah a good half a dozen ultras i had sort of planned for this year 
Gee, and with those marathons, are they uh, are they all raced or are they something that you just incorporate to be a part of your weekly training just to get a bit more atmosphere? Um, I would probably race a few of them. So I'd already done one in January and I think even last year I might have run eight marathons, all under 2.30. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was planning on running another bunch of marathons this year and you know, I was going to be going to the Gold Coast and pacing the, the females again and uh, was, you know, looking at going over to the Sunshine Coast because I love that event as well. So there's a, there was a lot of events that I had sort of penciled in tentatively and obviously not going ahead. But, yeah, there was – I would generally do a marathon if I want to run a decent time because I could just run a, you know, three hours from the door. So – yeah, it doesn't really excite me to enter a race for three hours or anything like that. Yeah, that makes sense. What have you run for the marathon now? I ran, I've run 221, 221 oh. low 07, yeah. So I uh, I think Andy O'Connor, a mate of ours, told me uh, a few years ago, I don't think I've spoken to you about this before, was telling me that you were coming into the stadium, the MCG, at the Melbourne Marathon a few years ago on track for a massive time. And your body just gave way. You just couldn't get up. Yeah, that was 2015. That was um, – and I was in some really good shape. And I would recently – I think it might have been like six weeks earlier in a training run um, at the Sunshine Coast. I'd actually broken two hours 30 for the first time and had just hit another level before Melbourne. And I think like I went through halfway – in on like 220 pace in the first half and and then yeah just like i started feeling a bit lightheaded and and i got to 30k still on track i'd probably on track for like a 221 at 30k but then i just like felt super dizzy and had to slow my pace and then 35 to 40 i'd started to like really fade and so from going from 325s to 340s or something like that and for that 5k split and then the last or the 40 to 42k was like four minute k's and i was running like veering off like as you saw Callum hawkins at the commonwealth games mm-hmm. that's pretty much that's exactly what i did <laughs> um i got to on my watch, it was 41.97 Ks. And then, but I was still like 500 metres to go. I was about 100 metres away from turning onto the MCG. And yeah, I just passed out. And I woke up half an hour later under the MCG that in like the medical section. And I had a like nurse with me and all the St. John's people. And, and I just remember waking up and I just thought, shit. I'd let that one go. I was winning the state championships and, you know, it was going to be, even by that stage, I was still on track for two hours, 23. And yeah, it was just that race that got it away. And like I was down under the MCG for probably an hour and a half all up. And then I just said to the, the St. John's people at the end, I was like, oh, I, was, I just really wanted to finish. And they said that I could still. And so I went back out. And I did the last 
sort of 500 meters and I finished in four hours and like 30 seconds. Oh, I wasn't hell. too, I wasn't too proud to, um, to not finish after all that work, even though it wasn't the time that I wanted or thought that I was capable of, um, you know, I, I wanted to show that I could still do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a it's a brutal event like that. Like, there's just nowhere to hide if you're having a rough day. And I learned that in the one and only one that I did when I reckon at about 35K, a 65-year-old lady who didn't look that fit ran past me. And I thought, oh, mate, this is uh, <laughs> well, a... I remember seeing you at the start of that one. Well, that's right. We were warming up together. Yeah. Mate, I was all inspired to be warming up with you. I was thinking, oh, I think I'm going to go out for a good day. Went out in an hour 19. I thought, oh, mate, I'm back. Sign me up. I think I'm going to start getting serious. Then at 25K, I thought, I'm never running again. Yeah. That's I remember it. Yeah, I remember hearing <laughs> hearing you say that, and I was like, yeah, that feeling. <sighs> oh, it's not a nice feeling, man. Dude, when at it comes to a- or, At one stage or another, everyone will feel that in a run. Yes, that's a great point. That's a great point. I think because I'd had the history of the shorter distances, it's a different feeling, man. Like you get tired in a 10K, you just slow down a bit. Yeah, don't finish with a great time. Big deal. And you don't have far to go. Like in exactly. terms of like time-wise, you've, you're not going to – like you're a sub-30 guy. You know, you're not going to have, you know, another half an hour to, to battle for when you're 20 minutes in. It's that's just a, not going to happen. Whereas a marathon, like – if you hit the wall at 25K, you know, that's a long time to go. Oh, it was, it was so funny, man. Like my, my dad was standing at the halfway mark and when I went through halfway, he reported back to my mum and my friends who were at the finish line, yeah, I reckon he's going to run 240. And then you sort of loop around at St Kilda and I saw him again, it, it must have been about 28K. And he reported back, going, yeah, I don't think he's going to finish. <laughs> I didn't oh. think I was going to finish at that stage either. It was just a oh, – I was running with like <laughs> Ash, Ash – what an arsehole. Ash Watson was was running in the group at the time, and he's an ultramarathon man himself. And uh, I remember at about 10K, I said to him, oh, what's your plan? And he goes, mate, I'm going to go through in about an hour 20 and then take off. And I was like, yeah, beautiful. And at that stage, I felt great. I thought, I'm going to run with him. And then he took off, and I thought, mate, I'll catch you later. <laughs> There's no way. And like you said, you're right. Like to hit the wall at 25k, you're like, you don't feel like you're that much part. You're not that much past halfway. You're like far out. I still got 17k. You still, to got, go to. You still got more than a third to go. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's it's brutal. Like I'd heard people speak about hitting the wall, and I just never really understood it. So now when someone says they hit the wall, I we'll have a bit more grace for them. Yep. Dude, it's not fun. <laughs> on the Australian circuit, how many people are running the times you're running for 100K? Like, is, is Ash Watson a bloke who, who offers a fair bit of competition to you? Or, like, I don't know the ultra scene really well, so I don't know who's the best and, and, and what the sort of top 20 yeah, are. Yeah, well, Ash is obviously a very good runner and um, has won a lot of good events. He hasn't done much fast stuff on the road. He, he's very good on the trails. You know, he set an amazing time at the Surf Coast Century last year and, and obviously has won, got the record at two bays, which is a pretty well-known race in Victoria. But yeah, he hasn't he hasn't posted any fast stuff stuff yet on the road. So be, I'd be really interested to see what he would do. I, and I know that he's obviously run a, one of the best runs by an Australian at Comrades in a long time. He did the up here. Um, so yeah, he he could definitely punch out something super quick on the road and. I know he was going for the 50k Australian record last year, and 
you know, just miss out again. But, um, yeah, I reckon it would be nice to have a little battle with, with Ash at, at a race sometime. Um, I remember the last time that I actually raced him, it would have been at 20, maybe 2016, Taralgon Marathon, and I reckon it was one of his first runs or first races back from, you know, a pretty long um, hiatus, and uh, he was with us for a good amount of it. But, yeah, he, um, like, I had the had it over the, the wall over him on, on that day. But, yeah, I haven't had the opportunity to really race him since, so it'd be interesting to see how we've both progressed because we're both um, a fair bit better now than what we were then. Yeah, how um, old are you? Are you guys around the same age? I'm 31. Yeah, you guys, you guys must be because I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm 33. I reckon he must be a couple of years younger than me. I'm guessing he'd be around, he'd be around about your age, mate. Would you like? What are your thoughts on having a crack at that Australian record? Do you think you'd be a shot at it for the 50k? Yeah, what is the record? Yeah, I could do it tomorrow. Uh, no, is doubt. that right? No doubt. Yeah, two two hours to run the 50k. I think it's two hours 52 or two hours 51 for the 50, and that's like two hours 26 marathon pace. The amount of times I've run under two hours twenty six, oh, no, no doubt. Gee, is that something you got on the schedule to lock it in? Well, you need. The only thing is that there's no good fifty k races around. Ah, okay. There's Canberra, which is pretty tough course, and that's where the fifty k record is set. So obviously, if you beat it there, then then you've done it. You know, in a good way. You know, you've taken it from the same course where it was originally held but um that's like the only really option that we've got here there's with quality as well you know that's a i wouldn't say it's a super fast course but you can get rolling in the second half so yeah canberra's uh, i love canberra but it's not a place i can imagine a 50 a 50k run being a real interesting one to run mind you the marathon i'm a trogan boy originally that's my hometown and to run a uh, to run a marathon there doesn't appeal to me either so maybe it could suit you yeah well i've done the marathon at canberra and i've run well there and i i raced against dane and craig apples and those guys and you know won that race um there and which was not far off like a marathon pb at the time when I did that. So, you know, you can run well there, but you're probably not going to run at like, at, you know, your ultimate peak, given that it's so hilly and there's a bit of turns. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes it a little bit tough. What are, what have you run for the hundred? Um, seven hours and three minutes. So it's, it's a good time. It's, it's about three hour marathon pace. Oh, um, <laughs> or bro, maybe just under three disgusting. hour marathon pace. Oh my gosh! So, but uh, do the conversion I'd, for me. What's that in in kilometer pace? Four fourteens. Oh my gosh, for a hundred k, bro. What's up? I, I know there's a bit of talk about Zach Bitter and stuff like that. Like, where does his times compare to what you're running? Like, are, are they? He is he on another level or good runner? But his he like he's obviously turned a bit to you know he's been sort of. Um, taking stabs at this hundred mile world record for quite a while, a number of years, and he's, he's you know he's now got it. Um, but that was, yeah, that was an insane time. I can't remember the exact pace, but it was somewhere like 
below four minutes as well. So he was flying on a track. Okay. So what about that treadmill one um, that he did? Did he end up breaking that treadmill record over, a, I think it was 100 miles as well, quite recently? Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of records, and I think even 50K world record on a treadmill has been broken four times this year. With oh, okay. COVID, everyone's just running on treadmills. And even recently, there was this race called Last Person Standing, and, you know, that came down to, you know, there was people from all around the world on Zoom with, like, people watching them on their treadmill, and Michael Wardian won that race. And, you know, that was um, – you've got to run four-point-something miles every hour, and you have to start on the hour. And, you know, last one going still wins. So, you know, I think they did like 60 hours, which is like 300 and something Ks or whatever. No, there was a lot more than that. So what's that then? If, you, if you're if you doing 4.7 miles on the hour, what's that? That's like, is it 8K? No, about just under about 8K. 7, 8K, yeah. And then so you do it as fast as you want take as much time, you know, you can go to the toilet, have a nap, you can do whatever you want, have your fueling, and then you have to start then again on the next, on the head of the next hour. Were you tempted and to then, enter that one? No, no way. <laughs> it's got your name written all over it, bro. I reckon you'd win it. I don't know. Right. I've got to test myself with, you know, 24 hours before I do 60 hours. Have you thought about jumping on the treadmill and having a crack at that that fifty k record? Or the how how tough would I know you said that the average is about four fourteen for the hundred k, but with a bit of training, do you reckon you could get yourself up around where Zach Bitter was in that recent time? I think so, and you know it's it wouldn't be something that would happen quickly. It's something that you'd really work away at over you know quite a while. So for me, if I started training like him, it might take me a couple of years to get to. And I think that's just the consistency and, and learning the way that your body moves over those longer distances. It's it's something that you really, and I think with ultra is you really just need to feel it and experience it to then say, oh, I know what I can do next time, which sucks sometimes because you can't do so many of them, but which means it gives you less less chances to sort of explore what you can do and you don't want to take too many risks because if you do, then, you know, one of your not many chances has been used. But, yeah, I think I could, you know, eventually get to that sort of level if I wanted. But I also love that marathon as well. So, you know, doing 100Ks and, you know, I'd like to do a 24-hour on the track. I reckon... I don't think I could break that world record of Giannis Kuros. He's got 303K, which is including rests and everything, is like four minute, under four minute 50Ks for 24 hours. Oh my gosh. Um, and no, and he's got like 11 of the top 12 ever fastest times. Bloody so, hell. What's Giannis? What's is, is he a Swedish bloke or a Dutch bloke or something? He's, what's, it's a, he's a great guy, but Australian. He lives in Australia, and he's got oh. all of Australia's, like, top best records um, from the 80s, 90s, and even 2000s. Um, like, smash people, you know, in, like, that Sydney to Melbourne race or 
24-hour world championships, the Spartathlon race in Greece. He's got all the best times. I think he's got the top five. He did that Spartathlon race in Greece, which is 246 uh, kilometres, I think. Miles? I think it's kilometres. Yeah. And he's got the top five fastest times, and he's done the race five times. (laughs) (laughs) And this is a race that's been going for, like, you know, decades. Yeah, that's insane. That's insane. And wearing Dunlop volleys that have fallen apart. Like, if you look up this guy, <laughs> um, like, the, Usain Bolt has got nothing on how good Jonas Kuros was in ultra running. He is like the, you know, Muhammad Ali of ultra running. How old is the guy? Is he is he still running around? <laughs> no, nah, not anymore. He's uh, in his maybe 60s now. Man. Yeah. It's crazy. But I've yeah, been, I re- I've been I on the track too long. I, I never heard a lot of your listeners that have listened up till now and into ultra running will um, get a lot out of reading up about this guy and, and finding a lot of inspiration. He, he is an amazing, like, a, a role model or someone that I've looked up to, that, like, how good he was. Yeah, that's some, that's some insane times, man. Dude, I know you got to get to work this afternoon, so we might have to end it there. But let's, um, dude, if you can, let's touch base again in the future because I've got a feeling people are going to love this episode. I, I definitely did, which is always a good sign. So, um, how about we hit pause and then I might touch base with you again in the next couple of months when when some races start to open up and and hear about your progress. Yeah, sounds awesome, mate. And I hope that um, everyone that's listened, you know, get something out of it. And yeah, I'm always. Um, pretty open if anyone's got any questions and stuff like that um yeah. yeah there's no no secrets i think everyone just wants all the other athletes to be their best so yeah just send us a message or whatnot yeah great man and uh again really recommend following you on strava because uh tell you what it's it's bloody motivational to say the least so jump on there i'm sure you have a couple of new followers after this one yeah awesome all right brother sounds great <laughs>